A moment ago, you said that you ordered Lieutenant Kendrick to tell his men that Santiago wasn't to be touched. That's right. And Lieutenant Kendrick was clear on what you wanted? Crystal. Any chance Lieutenant Kendrick ignored the order? Ignored the order? Any chance he forgot about it? No. Any chance Lieutenant Kendrick left your office and said, the old man is wrong? No. When Lieutenant Kendrick spoke to the platoon and ordered them not to touch Santiago, any chance they ignored him? You ever served in an infantry unit, son? No, sir. Ever served in a forward area? No, sir. Ever put your life in another man's hands? Asked him to put his life in yours? No, sir. We follow orders, son. We follow orders or people die. It's that simple. Are we clear? Yes, sir. Are we clear? Crystal. Colonel, I have just one more question before I call Airman O'Malley and Airman Rodriguez. If you gave an order that Santiago wasn't to be touched, and your orders are always followed, then why would Santiago be in danger? Why would it be necessary to transfer him off the base? Santiago was a substandard Marine. He was being transferred... That's not what you said. You said he was being transferred because he was in grave danger. That's correct. You right. said he was in danger. I said grave danger. You said, is there I any recall other... what I said. I can have the court reporter read back to you. I know what I said. I don't have to have it read back to me like I'm... Why the two orders? Colonel? Sometimes men take matters into their own hands. No, sir. You made it clear just a moment ago that your men never take matters in their own hands. Your men follow orders or people die. So Santiago shouldn't have been in any danger at all, should he have, Colonel? You snotty little bastard. Your Honor, I'd like to ask for a recess. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. The court will wait for an answer. If Lieutenant Kendrick gave an order that Santiago wasn't to be touched, then why did he have to be transferred? Colonel? Lieutenant Kendrick ordered the code red, didn't he? Because that's what you told Lieutenant Kendrick to do. Object! And when it went bad, you cut person. these guys loose! Your Honor, you have markers inside a bony transfer. Your Honor, you doctored the logbook. Damn it, Captain! You coerced the doctor. Consider yourself in contempt. You. Colonel Jessup, did you order the code red? You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Hey everybody, this is Ed Hoffman and welcome to the main event. We're using this uh, piece of uh, Tom Petty music here as a tribute to the late Tom Petty who, uh, who passed away while I was gone. And it fits just perfect with what's going on with uh, Las Vegas that happened while I was gone. And nobody seems to know what's going on and we need to know. I've been I've been away I've been away for a 15 day cruise. My wife and I uh, uh, were on 15 day cruise. You got the pleasure of hearing uh, Tom, uh, Scott McAfee fill in for me for a couple of weeks. And you know you you uh, spend a little time away from your daily grind, from your uh, from your normal your normal routine. You get a chance to think, clear your head, watch other people. Think how they think. You get some clarity on life there. And uh, we got some clarity on life. I'm going to talk about that a little, in a little bit. 
Um, I ran into a guy named Tony from Hemet that was on our, that was a, a retired guy on our uh, on our ship, and we were uh, we were getting friendly. I don't remember if it was because we were doing karaoke that night and he liked it, or he was uh, stealing questions from a trivia thing that usually the evening was uh, rock and roll trivia or something. I don't know. And uh, we started talking and uh, somehow got into politics. And he made a comment that Trump is screwing everything up. And I made a comment that, why do you think that? And uh, he talked about, oh, yeah, well, he's going to get us into nuclear war with Korea. And this is going on. I said, well, you know, you're questioning whether Trump is stable enough to handle his job and he's going to get us into nuclear war. What about that short, fat, pudgy guy over there in North Korea that's firing off missiles all over the place? You don't think that's a problem? No, that's not a problem. That's we could we could deal with it other ways. Okay, okay. How about uh, how about uh, you know the tax reform he's talking about? Oh, well, who's giving tax taxes to? I said, well, um, he he's increasing the the standard deduction from twelve thousand to twenty four thousand. Oh, I thought he uh, that's not gonna help me. I said, yes, it is. How much do you make? What fifty grand a year? Okay, well, guess what? The first twenty four thousand now becomes non taxable. He goes, oh, I thought he was getting rid of that. No, he doubled it. So that's going to help you. Is it going to help you more than it's going to help me? No. I mean, is it going to help me more than it's going to help you? Uh, no, it's going to help you more than it helps me. Because now now half of your income is non-taxable. And I started explaining. He goes, oh, yeah, well, he's going to give all the, all the tax benefits to the rich. Guess what? You can't give tax benefits to people that don't pay taxes. Well, I pay taxes. You know how much should you pay? Well, fifty thousand. Then you don't. You know, then you got your first, first half of it. You don't have to pay taxes on. Then you write off your mortgage interest. You write off this. You write off that. By the time he goes, I, I, I might have paid. Uh, I might have paid ten percent. Okay, ten percent. By the time it's all done, is about twenty five hundred bucks, which is really about five percent of your income. I said, if he gives you a tax break and saves you that twenty five hundred bucks, how many people are you going to hire? He goes, none. And I said, okay, see, the only reason to, to, to cut taxes is to stimulate the economy. You don't understand it. That's why you're not president. I hope you guys keep your, keep your head screwed on straight and watch everything that's going on because all this stuff is happening for a reason. All this stuff is happening for a reason. And I think it's really clear to me that Donald Trump is uh, the only president we've had in there that can't be bought. And some of the drastic stuff that's going on uh, that we're that we're seeing going on or we're about to see go on is Trump's going to figure out a way to win one way or the other. He knows what has to get done. The taxes and the regulations need to go away. The this 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 uh, money making engine called the United States economy needs to get moving. It needs to be fueled up and sparked up and put into gear, create jobs, create uh, wealth for everybody. And uh, Trump somewhat one time said, "Hey, before we can become great again, we got to become rich again." And because that's how we become great, we become rich, we create jobs, the country gets gets uh, financially in good shape, and then we become great. So anyway, for those of you uh, that live in Hammett and know Tony, uh, you need to tell him to listen to this show. I didn't see him anymore, the rest of the crews since then. I don't know why. And we were talking about a reverse mortgage, too, so calmly, about his uh, how he sold his, uh, sold his motorhome, mobile home. Motorhome, I think. Him and his wife were out, uh, out uh, living, living on the road in their retirement, and they decided to sell it and get an actual house. And uh, talking about a, how he bought a fixer-upper, and he put 
bunch of money down. And I said, well, you should get into re reverse mortgage. Oh, I'm not comfortable with that. Why? It's a good product. I'm going to talk about what's gone on in the whole world this week, not just what's gone on at, on my cruise, although there was a lot of stuff that happened on my cruise. I'll feed it to you a little bit at a time. It was a good cruise. We went uh, left from L.A., went down to the Panama Canal, came through. Uh, my favorite stop was Aruba. Um, never heard of Aruba until Natalie Holloway got kidnapped and killed, disappeared. And uh, I was, wasn't expecting much based on what I'd heard. And uh, actually, it's a nice little island. And surprisingly, uh, talking to some of the people there, this island has no water. They desalinate ocean water for the whole island. Now, granted, the whole island's only 140,000 people that live there full time, plus all the tourists that come on. But I just wonder, with everything that's going on, why we couldn't desalinate water out of the Pacific Ocean and take care of California? And if California's, I know we've got, uh, I don't know, 100, 100, 200 times, 200 times that many people, but why couldn't we have just more machines that desalinate? And how do you pay for that? You pay for it with the water bills. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I don't think I am though, but you know, I've seen uh, this waterboard thing say that the, the developers and how they build houses, they decide where they're going to develop in, uh, in um, all the way down the states, uh, Nevada, Arizona, California, um, and I'm sure there's some other states, New Mexico, that all get fed by the Colorado River, and they, they take a look at the level of the of the Lake Mead uh, Lake Mead National Park, which is Lake Mead and Lake Mojave, and uh, they they look at the water levels there, and if the water levels are at a certain point, they they develop, and if they don't, they because because that river can only feed so many people water feed so many people water. But guess what? If we had the Pacific Ocean going through desalination plants and feeding the feeding the whole state of California, I think that would create some more uh, housing uh, housing uh, abilities to put into uh, this area. I don't know. I just was thinking out loud. I was just over there in Aruba buying some tacos and uh, some uh, some shrimps and drinking some uh, some beers and just checking it out saying, hey, this is a cool place. And I start thinking... This is stuff that you guys should do too. When you go someplace, watch, listen. God gave you two ears, one mouth. You should just listen and see what happens. Guess, guess, guess what? Next thing you know, you're learning something. Well, that's just my opinion. I could be wrong, but it's rare. But let, but who, who am I? Let me introduce myself, and then I'll get back into the rest of my show. My name is Ed Hoffman, President, Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender based here in Southern California, offices all over the area. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me, uh, and but you don't want to talk on the phone, you can find me at WCC loans wccloans.com where we have all kinds of mortgage information for you if you want to apply uh you want to get some information from me just uh go to the loan center tab click on apply now uh and uh let me know uh how much uh how much information you want from me and give me how much information you want to give me and if it's not enough we'll talk uh we'll talk i'll help you uh, guide you towards the missing pieces of your real estate financing puzzle um, if you want to email me first, go to the contact page right here. Here's my direct email, edhoffman at wccloans.com, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N at wccloans.com. Um, if you want any part of the, want to hear any part of the show repeated, go to edhoffman.net. 
Click on the podcast page. You can listen to it on demand anytime. You can also get the main event podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, where you uh, and you can connect, uh, where you can where you can download the uh, the podcast anytime at all, as well as a few past shows. And you can subscribe for free on iTunes. I don't know about SoundCloud, but on iTunes you can. It'll download to your phone or your uh, tablet or whatever you listen to uh, podcasts on. Be sure to connect with the the show on media on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, where I tweet about current events all week long. And like the show at Facebook at facebook.com slash the main event Ed Hoffman. If you want to leave me some comments on the show, if I say something that you disagree with, if I say something you agree with, if you just don't like my voice, or if you do like my voice, call me on the listener hotline, 855-640-2092. 855-640-2092. Okay, so let's talk about, let's talk about what we need to know. Uh, what really happened in Vegas? So I was on vacation when the shooting happened. We left uh, Wednesday night. Wednesday night, sailed out of uh, San Pedro. We were in Puerto Vallarta on Saturday. And Sunday, we were uh, just a day at sea uh, in between uh, Puerto Vallarta and some place called Hatalco. Huatalco. Huatalco in uh, Mexico. Um, and... Uh, Late at night on Sunday, as Don and I are coming back into our cabin, uh, I'm seeing on the news that there's a shooting in Las Vegas. And uh, almost two weeks later, the police still have no motive, and their timeline on the event keeps changing. Now we find out that Stephen Paddock shot a security guard through the through the door six minutes before he shot hundreds of rounds over the country music concert outside Mandalay Bay. The police initially said he... Sh- he shot the guard after shooting the crowd and that the guard had broken down the door to his room. And every day they seem intent on telling us that uh, the note in Paddock's room was not a suicide note. So what was it? Then someone broke into Paddock's house in Reno. He had a house in Reno and a house in Mesquite, um, which Mesquite, for those of you who don't know, is you just go keep going straight down the, the 15 and before you, it's right on the border of Nevada and Arizona. So right before, as you're going into Arizona again, um, before you get into Utah. So you go through Nevada, then you go through a couple of miles of Arizona, just rocks and stuff, and then you go into uh, Utah, over by St. George. Um, I'm going to see they took no knows who uh, uh, who did it, what they took. So uh, the FBI, the FBI Vegas bureau chief seems frustrated by the public's need for answers. On Tuesday, I mean, the public wants to know. 58 people died. What did they die for? Some guy just, oh, I just felt like running. I just felt like shooting people. I don't think that was it. Doesn't This thing was planned, and why was it planned? Uh, on Tuesday, he scolded the media for their questions. We like to deal in facts. So theories are great, and everyone can have a theory. But I need to deal with facts. The sheriff needs, needs to deal with facts. We're reliant on that to do our jobs. And so that's what we're going to focus on. Uh, that seems reasonable after all the all the uh, jumping to conclusions and fake news that's been out there. They want to they want to deal with facts, but I wonder if this could be the reason. Now, this is a uh, something that was sent to me on Facebook Messenger. This guy is friends with someone who's friends with Anonymous. Anonymous is is one of the couple of guys that is actually hacking people's emails, and apparently they hacked into. The, uh, the Las Vegas Police Department and got some emails going back and forth between them and the FBI. Listen to this. Evidently, Anonymous has hacked the Las Vegas Police Department's computers and they found some 
notes being uh, sent back and forth between the FBI and, and the police. So this is probably the realest we're ever going to get from the Las Vegas thing, this information hack. Um, Stephen Paddock was an FBI agent supplying arms to ISIS inside the USA. The LVMPD knows the motive behind the attack, but the FBI will not allow us to release the motive because it implicates the FBI in illegal arms deals and supplying arms to ISIS terrorists inside the U.S. borders. Stephen Paddock was an undercover FBI agent who participated in multiple illegal arms deals in the Las Vegas area in a gun-running entrapment scheme similar to Fast and Furious. Paddock thought he was engaging in another routine arms transfer. Um, but ISIS had learned about the entrapment scheme and Paddock's true identity. They killed him and carried out the massacre and then fled the scene. Um, everything is being kept under extreme wraps because armed ISIS terrorists are still at large and this is very embarrassing to the FBI and they don't want the scheme to become public knowledge. I'll be putting further information up. That there, there's still some more. I'm not going to read it all. Um, this is in regards to the cameras. It's also mentioned the reason Stephen Paddock had cameras up everywhere because he was an FBI agent because he was recording the arms deal he was about to do. They were supposed to bust the ISIS terrorists before they carried out the massacre. Everything got all screwed up. But anyway, he did have cameras set up. The cameras and video are being examined by the FBI. Yeah, I wonder, uh, I wonder if maybe that's the reason because they say, if the if the security guard was shot before they started shooting, why was there a security guard up there? I'm thinking maybe uh, if if this is true, ISIS went in, they figured it out, they shot him. Somebody heard the shot, sent the security guard up there. They shot the security guard, then started doing the pull off the uh, the attack. And um, but see, it's still 11 minutes. They were they were shooting for 11 minutes. So who knows? This is a, but is an interesting concept, and ISIS quickly uh, took claim for it. Um, but that would make more sense. And for those of you that have friends or family that that you lost at this concert, would that make you feel any better if you knew it was terrorism? Better than better than knowing that it's nothing. Hey, he, I just felt like shooting. I guess I, I just didn't have nothing to do that day. Um. I can't believe that they don't know don't know something. You know, just from talking to the girlfriend, you know, I can't imagine I could pull anything off without my wife knowing something what's going on even if I tried to keep it from her. She'd know she'd know what I was about. She would know. So, uh meanwhile, the tragedy is still being treated as gun control matter. As you may have heard, the NRA has agreed to the outlying outlawing bump stock devices. Paddock used this as, as an unacceptable measure, and many gun owners are saying they never even heard of bump stocks before this shooting. Uh, I know I never have. Uh, here's former Las, Las Vegas Police Sergeant John Sheehan explaining what, a bump, what bump stocks are. A bump stock is a stock that's installed on, uh, it replaces the stock that is on the semi-automatic assault weapon, and it's got a, a spring-type system in it where, as the weapon recoils, the inertia of that recoil allows it to come back and cycle quicker where you just leave your, tri your finger, uh, trigger finger in place at one time, at one position, and it allows that weapon to uh, cycle at a fast rate. It's just another way of taking a semi-automatic rifle and turning it into a fully automatic machine gun. And uh, incidentally, they are already illegal in California. I'm thinking, hey, I don't, wanna, I don't want them to put on more laws on, uh, on, uh, on gun ownership, but I don't care. 
because I didn't think this stuff, this kind of stuff was out there anyway. And, and I know it's illegal. Um, so I don't think there's any reason for anybody to have that. You don't need a shotgun to defend yourself. Um, and if you listened to the show last week, you heard all the late night hosts make jokes about uh, how Republicans would never pass any new gun control laws because the NRA has them by the short and curlies. Um, well, guess what? House Speaker Paul Ryan says they're wrong, and he blames the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms for failing to regulate bump stocks in the past. We are still trying to assess why the ATF let this go through in the first place. So what happened on the regulatory side to allow this to occur in the first place? And that is something that we're both trying to assess. And yes, it, it, it makes sense that this is a regulation that probably shouldn't have happened in the first place. And we want to understand why is it that they got let this go through in the first place. So we think the regulatory fix is the smartest, quickest fix. And I'd frankly like to know how it happened in the first place. Yeah, well, I wonder, did it actually happen or did people just make these things up and they never made a call on it for saying that alcohol, tobacco, and firearms have, have allowed these to be legal. Do they even know about them? I mean, people can come up with ideas and then sell them on the internet and nobody knows about it until, until they do. So, uh, that's just my thought. So anyway, I'm sure this will be an unfolding story throughout. Let's go on to the next thing. Harvey, Harvey Weinstein. Okay. This week, Hollywood mogul Harvey Weinstein was fired from his own production company, and the allegations of sexual harassment and sexual harassment uh, and sexual assault on women that has reportedly gone on for years. Here's the timeline of the story. I'm going to run out of time before I finish this, but we'll finish it in the second half. Last week, Weinstein learned that the New York Times was about to publish a story exposing Hollywood's open secret that he's a serial sexual predator. Hmm. Sounds like uh, someone who used to be in the White House. On October 5th, he called several talent agents to ask if they would defend him in the media, telling them he would put all his money and energy into fighting the NRA if they spoke up for him. None of them did. At the same time, the Times published a story accusing Weinstein of sexually harassing a number of women, eight of whom took legal action. Took, took legal action. They include an assistant in New York in 1990, actress Ashley Judd, the nasty woman, 1997, an assistant in London in 1998, a temp in Beverly Hills in 2014, and an Italian model in 2015. The model Ambra Battaliana, Battaliana, Battaliana Gutierrez filed a complaint with the New York Police Department, and they asked her to meet him again wearing a wire. They, then they did nothing. Here's the disturbing tape. I'm feeling very uncomfortable right Please now. come in now. One minute, and if you want to leave, when the guy comes with my Why jacket, yesterday you, you touched my wrist. Oh, please, I'm sorry. Just come on. I'm used to that. But are you please. used to that? Yes, come in. You must come here now. No. Please. No, I don't want to. I'm not doing anything with you. I'm I know. I'm sorry. I, I cannot. No, yesterday was a kind of aggressive for me. I, I need to know a person to I be touched. I won't do a thing. Um, the police department didn't think they had enough to go on. Um... I don't know if they did or not. I would I would think that that would be enough for them to go farther and look into it. Certainly not certainly not sweep it under the rug. Um, by Monday, Monday of this week, Ronan Farrow's story in the New Yorker revealed that Weinstein wasn't only guilty of harassment and groping. Multiple women say he actually raped them. Sounds like uh, that same guy I was talking about that lived in the White House for a little while. Um, and Weinstein's harassment went well beyond locker room talk and sexual comments. Uh, what well, we almost lost Trump from our uh, presidential race because he made locker room comments. And while we're on those locker room comments, before I uh, uh, go any further, let me just tell you that uh, 
you know, guys talk to guys when there's no women around and they and they say some gross stuff. And according to my wife and a few other women have confirmed this, the only thing grosser than how guys talk to each other when there's no women around is how women talk to each other when there's no guys around. So don't get so so uh, so uh, so offended and Christian out there that you can't understand all this stuff that's oh my god, I can't believe people talk like that. I would never vote for Trump. Guess what? You're not voting for Trump about how he talks in the locker room. You're voting for him on how he how he makes things happen. And he seems to be making things happen. Anyway, I'm all out of time for part one of the main event. I'll be back with part two after five minutes of the commercials, traffic, and weather. Don't go away anywhere. I'll be right back. And welcome back to part two of the main event. If you need to know what's going on, you're in the right place. Hey, I'm a president of Wholesale Capital Corporation. I don't talk about mortgages very often. And the reason is that it's a lot more interesting to talk about politics and what's going on in our country. And uh, But if you, if you do need to get involved in a, uh, a refinance or a reverse mortgage or a purchase or uh, purchase of a second home or a vacation home or, or help your kids out and getting them out of your, uh, out of your living room so they can move on. And you can have your house back to yourself. Call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Day or night, 855-640-2020. Um, also if you hear, uh, if you hear something on the radio that you want, uh, you want to make a comment on the listener hotline is 855-640-2092. So anyway, uh, we were talking about Harvey Weinstein, and uh, and I I can, it's amazing to me. I'll I'll talk more about this towards the end. So they're accusing him of uh, of uh, being a sexual uh, predator, which he probably is. Um, it's been going on for years. And uh, right before I left, uh, um, he was actually accused of rape. Um, the, the 2014 accuser of Weinstein badgered her into giving him a massage while he was naked, leaving her crying and very distraught. Ashley Judd said he begged her to watch him take a shower. A French actress said he offered her the part of a powerful woman in a movie, then invited her to his office to read the script. When she got there, he emerged from the restroom completely naked. I bet you he's friends with Anthony Weiner. And now two very big names, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and Angelina Jolie, are saying they had similar experiences with him. Then there are two names you probably haven't heard in a while. Mira Sorvino, that's Romy from Romy and Michelle's, that's Paul Sorvino's daughter. And uh, Rosanna Arquette, who's been around forever, and her and her whole family. Uh, They both said Weinstein killed their careers because they wouldn't have sex with him. I guess I'm not going to make it in that career either because I'm not going to have sex with him either. So, uh, so you know, you compare this to what you compare this to what Trump did. What did Trump do? He talked he talked nasty to some guy while there was nobody around. Didn't know there was an open mic. Oh my God! But, but let's compare it to uh, Hillary Clinton's husband. Uh, very similar. Very similar. Um, and you know what's you know what's amazing? You know what's amazing is. We're making if if this guy was a Republican, there'd be all kinds of big stuff going on about it. But the Democrats, the Democrats want to sweep it under the rug. Uh, Hillary Clinton is still married to a to a sexual predator. Uh, Mrs. Clinton took five minutes to respond on Twitter to the Las Vegas shooting and blame the NRA. 
She took five days to respond to these allegations against her friend and mega donor Harvey Weinstein. I was just sick. I was shocked. I was appalled. Um, it was something that was just intolerable in every way. And, you know, like so many people who have come forward and spoken out, this was a different side of a person who uh, I and many others had known uh, in the past. Would you have called him a friend? I, yes, I probably would have. Um, and, and so would so many others. You know, people in democratic politics for a couple of decades appreciated his help and support. Yeah, people in democratic politics that want to take over the world, they need guys with money to feed them and so they can do them favors and uh, keep the money going around. You know, if you follow the money, you're going to find out how this country's run. And that's uh, it's becoming more and more apparent that we get a guy who goes into office as a billionaire um, and this stuff is going to stop. I'm excited about that. I'm really, the more I see, you guys go, well, look at what he's doing. He says these things on Twitter, all this other stuff. You, know, you just hear it on TV. You know, just shut up. Watch, watch what he's trying to do. He's focused on what he's trying to get done. <clears throat> we'll talk more about that. We'll talk more about that as we go on. Um, here's, some, here's some facts. Weinstein was one of many celebrities who donated to Bill Clinton's legal defense fund in the 90s during the impeachment trial. So Bill Clinton is, uh, is going through impeachment trial for uh, basically getting uh, oral sex in the White House and uh, with an underage intern. Um, and he lied about it. And he was, they were impeaching him for, uh, for perjury and a bunch of other stuff. Along, and and on, besides Weinstein, there was Tom Hanks, who pff, I used to like. Barbara Streisand, who I never liked. Michael Douglas, who I used to like. Ron Howard, who I used to like. And Steven Spielberg, who I used to like. Uh, uh, Weinstein donated $10,000 to help Bill Clinton, who was still, still uh, the sitting president. Pay his and pay his to pay his lawyers, but Trump is corrupt because he owns a bunch of hotels and has kids work for him. Hmm, I don't know. Weinstein held fundraisers for Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign at his homes in Manhattan and Beverly Hills, and they were like $125,000 a plate. The Democratic National Committee says it will donate the $30,000 that Weinstein has given them over the years to Emily's List, which is not even a charity. It's a political action committee that aims to help pro-choice Democratic women into office. Uh, it's right on their website. Um, the Democratic National Congressional Campaign Committee, the Democratic National Congressional Campaign Committee says it'll donate its money from Weinstein to various women's charities, which basically means Planned Parenthood. Um, what will Hillary do with the money she got from Weinstein's fundraisers? Well, well there's no one to give it back to. What other people are saying, what my former colleagues are saying is they're going to donate it to charity. And of course I will do that. I give 10% of my income to charity every year. This will be part of that. Uh, there's no, uh, There's no doubt about it. Which means she's not going to do anything with it. I give ten. This will be part of that ten percent. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. I'm not going to do anything different than what I already do. I take ten percent of my income. I give it to the Clinton Foundation, which uh, which gives me a big write off, and then the Clinton Foundation uh, expenses it out to Taneo Holdings, and Taneo Holdings is run by Bill Clinton, and he gets a big ass paycheck. 
So uh, I don't know. Uh, that's what I, that's what she's gonna do with it. You know, she is she's a scumbag. Um, Hillary isn't the only one who owes a debt of gratitude to Weinstein. He's also campaign bundler for Obama, who thanked him with numerous invites to the White House over the years. And the Obama sent Malia, their uh, oldest uh, daughter, to intern for the Weinstein Company this year. She reportedly worked there uh, from January until she left for Harvard in uh, late summer. Her job for Weinstein included reading through scripts and deciding which ones uh, move on, which ones to move on to the executives. Here's Michelle Obama talking about Weinstein. I want to start by thanking Harvey Weinstein for organizing this amazing day. Harvey. This is possible because of Harvey. Uh, He is a wonderful human being, a good friend, and uh, just a powerhouse. Well, he is such a powerhouse. Yeah, he's a scumbag. He's a scumbag. Doesn't know. Doesn't know. Uh, you know what? I've been my. I've been with my wife for almost twenty nine years. Well, twenty nine years, almost al- almost to thirty years. So we're a little. We're past twenty nine, going on thirty. Um, I find it. I find it more enjoyable to honor my wedding vows than any kind of any kind of any five minute or 25 minute or three hour, uh, experience with somebody else. Um, I think, I think that shows character because, uh, everybody has temptations and, uh, to be able to make the right decisions, uh, shows character. Um, I think about, I think about this when we were in the primaries with Trump and you know what, you never had had women come out and say he did anything wrong and, you know his divorces that he went through. He had uh, he's on his third marriage, and he admitted that his divorces were caused by uh, being married to his business and not spending, not giving his wives enough attention, and uh, not not being a, as good a husband as he could have been. Um, not because he cheated on his wives. So just ama- it just amazes me. And then I think about and then I think I've been considering this since in the last week since I've been watching this as. As I listen to some of the stuff with uh, that Weinstein did, and I think about some of the stuff that Bill O'Reilly did, and some of the things that you know, it's there's a certain amount of this. Oh, and then then I heard last night that uh, the one of the head guys at Amazon has been released uh, for sexual harassment um, allegations. This is just going to create a big old. Um, tidal wave of people accusing people of sexual harassment and a lot of that sexual harassment um i think if you if if there was a fly on the wall you would you would probably categorize a lot of it as um flirting flirting and i'm not saying that you know some of the stuff that we know about uh harvey weinstein now is i'm not saying that's acceptable but it's amazing to me as i just got off this cruise and every night at seven o'clock the lbgt crowd was meeting at the wheelhouse bar at seven o'clock he was listed in all the things lbgt uh, uh cruisers meet at the wheelhouse bar unhosted at seven o'clock Okay, maybe they should come up with a name like the Friends of Bill W. Okay, when they say the Friends of Bill W. are meeting together over here. Okay, the Friends of Bill W. That means alcoholics. But the LGBT, hey, they just hey wheelhouse bar seven o'clock. 
7 o'clock, if you happen to be in the area of the wheelhouse bar, you just kind of peek through the windows. What's going on? Hey, we're being we're doing everything we can to promote the male-male and female-female uh, sexual relationships. And we're doing everything that we can to discourage male-female relationships because as the natural courting process happens, you have to worry about if you're going to get sued. I think this is a problem. And I'm not excusing Bill Clinton and I'm not excusing uh, Harvey Weinstein or anybody who's taken this too far. But I think I think it's going to get I think it's going to get a little bit too petty. And there's too many Lisa Blooms and Gloria Allreds out there that are willing to jump on anything. If you've got deep pockets, don't flirt with anybody because they're coming after you. Anyway, that's just my thoughts. I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. Okay, so healthcare executive order after some, after a summer of failed healthcare uh, reform bills in Congress, the White House announced Thursday that President Trump is taking executive action in, in an effort to provide more alternatives to health insurance. Trump's executive order will help people purchase insurance across state lines in order to expand access and lower cost. How it works. The plan requests the Secretary of Labor to expand the access to association health plans, plans written by trade organizations, small businesses, and other groups. It allows consumers to go across state lines to purchase insurance that could be more affordable or tailored to a person's needs. And for those of you who tend to side with Rand Paul on healthcare, which I do, guess what? Rand Paul likes this. He was standing behind President Trump when uh, this was announced. Here's President Trump on Thursday. This will cost the United States government virtually nothing. And people will have great, great health care. And when I say people, I mean by the millions and millions. And, uh, of course, when uh, asked what she thought of the order, Nancy Pelosi, who thought of an order, she has a brain. I think it's probably uh, I think it's probably extinct. But here's what she said. I don't know what he's putting out today, but I do know it is a sabotage of the Affordable Care Act and, quite frankly, a real disservice uh, to the American people. But the president, I think what the, not having seen what he has to say, but just judging from what he has said, knows very little about health care legislation. Hey, just about basic, based on what we've seen, she doesn't know anything either. Hey, guess what? Uh, you can't wait. You have to pass this bill before before you can see. So just so you can see what's in it. And now, uh, uh, let's see, uh, however many years ago when it passed, my health insurance, and I'm a large group health insurance for my company, my company was paying just under $900 a month for my health insurance. So nine times 12 is 18, carry the one, nine, uh, $11,000. Yeah, just 10,800 a year. Um, Since then, it's gone up to uh, 1,900 a month, just uh, which was the year before last, went over a little little over uh, uh, 20,000 or 2,000 a month. So now it's 24,000. And our 2018 rates, $30,000 a year. So it went from $10,800 a year to $30,000 a year for the same insurance that we had five, six, seven, eight years ago when when this went into uh, effect. And we have a PPO. Um, This just isn't working. And say, hey, he he's going to sabotage the, the Affordable Care Act. I hope so. I certainly hope so. So uh, for those of you for those of you that think that 
Trump is doing something wrong with the Affordable Care Act. If you ever have to use your insurance, and I don't care if you have Obamacare or you have Blue Shield or Aetna or or HealthNet or whatever you have, uh, the, the Affordable Care Act has has disturbed the whole healthcare industry, and you're doing stuff a lot lot more expensive and a lot harder and a lot more uh, um, regulated. And talk to talk to your doctors and nurses when they're away from everybody else and say, what do you think about the Affordable Care Act? Was this a good thing for you guys or a bad thing? And they'll tell you the truth. They wouldn't at first, but they will now. So uh, sabotage the Affordable Care Act. Well done, President Trump. Okay, so uh, the NFL, uh, National Football League, uh, attempted to bring national anthem debate to, to a close this week with an NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, sending a letter to all 32 teams on Tuesday that urged them to move past this PR nightmare. Here's an excerpt. Like many of our fans, we believe that everyone should stand for the national anthem. It is an important moment in our game. We want to honor the flag in our country, and our fans expect that of us. We also, we also care deeply about our players and respect their opinions and concerns about critical social issues. The controversy over the anthem is a barrier to, to having honest conversations and making real progress on the underlying issues. We need to move past this controversy, and we want to do that together with our players. Uh, I think it was kind of wishy-washy, but he did say, hey, this is what needs to happen. Uh, Donald J. Trump tweeted out, it is about time that Roger Goodell of the NFL is finally demanding all players stand for our great national anthem, respect our country. Showing about as much respect for his boss as he does for his country, Malcolm Jenkins of the Philadelphia Eagles had this response. You can threaten to do whatever you want to do. Um, that, that's not going to deter players from, from doing what's right or doing what they believe is, is right. And so uh, you might be able to change the, the manner in which that looks, but I, I don't see players stopping um, their pursuit for you know uh, justice or... Equality. So, is what it is. But let me tell you. Let me tell you. I sent out this email. Somebody forwarded this to me, so I didn't actually write this. I didn't actually write this, but I forwarded it to everybody in my company and everybody on my list, and I posted it on Facebook. And uh, whoever wrote it didn't have a didn't have a uh, didn't put a didn't put a byline on it. So I'm going to say, hey, this is I wrote it. For all you guys, you saw it in the last week. It's because uh, I tweet because I forwarded out. You got it from me. If you read it beforehand, then you, you look up who uh, who sent it out originally. So how I feel: you graduated high school in 2011. Your teenage years were a struggle. You grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. Your mother was the leader of the family and worked tirelessly to keep a roof over your head and food on your plate. Sounds kind of like my life. Academics were a struggle for you, and your grades were mediocre. That doesn't sound like me. Uh, your grades were mediocre at best. The only thing that made you stand out is you weighed 225 pounds and could run a 40, 40 yards in 4.2 seconds while carrying a football. Your best friend was just like you, except he didn't play football. Instead of going to football practice after school, he went to work at McDonald's for, for minimum wage. You were recruited by all the big colleges and spent every weekend of your senior year making visits to universities where coaches and boosters tried to convince you that their school was the best. They laid out the red carpet for you. Your best friend worked double shifts at Mickey D's. College was not an option for him. On the day you signed with the big big state university, your friend signed paperwork with the with his army recruiter. You went to summer school workout. You went to summer workouts at the university. He went to basic training. 
You spent the next four years living in the, in an athletic dorm, eating at the training table. You spent your Saturdays on Saturdays on the football field, cheered on by adoring fans. Tutors attend to ev- to your every academic need. You attended class when you felt like it. Sure, you worked hard. You lifted weights, ran sprints, studied plays, and soon became one of the top football players in the country. Your best friend was assigned to the 101st Airborne Division. While you were in college, he deployed to Iraq once and in Afghanistan twice. He became a sergeant and led a squad of 19-year-old soldiers who grew up just like he did. He shed his blood in Afghanistan and watched young Americans give their lives, limbs, and innocence for the United States of America. You went to the NFL combined and scored off the charts. You hired an agent and waited for the draft. Uh, You were drafted the first round of your agent, immediately went to work, ensuring you received the most money possible. You signed for $16 million, although you had never played a single down of professional football. Your best friend re-enlisted in the Army for four more years. As a combat-tested sergeant, he will be paid $32,000 a year. $32,000 or $16 million? Okay. Uh, You'll drive a Ferrari on the streets of South Beach. He'll ride in the back of a Black Hawk helicopter with 10 other combat-loaded soldiers. You'll sleep at the Ritz. He will dig a hole in the ground and try to sleep. You'll make it rain in the club. He will pray for rain as the temperature reaches 120 degrees. On Sunday, you'll run into a stadium as tens of thousands of fans cheer and yell your name. For your best friend, there is little difference between Sunday and any other day of the week. There are no adoring fans. There are only people trying to kill him and his soldiers. Every now and then, he and his soldiers leave the front lines to go to the rear to rest. He might be lucky enough to catch an NFL game on TV. When the national anthem plays, you take a knee. He will jump to his feet and salute the television, like I do. While you protest the unfairness of life in the United States, he will give thanks to God that he has the honor of defending his great country. To the players of the NFL, we are the people who buy your tickets, watch you on TV, and wear your jerseys. We anxiously wait for you on Sunday so we can cheer for you and marvel at your athleticism. Although we love to watch you play, we care little about your opinions until you offend us. You have the absolute right to express yourselves, but we have the absolute right to boycott you. We have tolerated your drug use, DUIs, your domestic violence, and your vulgar displays of wealth. And they left out murder uh, for a couple of these guys. We should be ashamed for putting our admiration of your physical skills before what is morally morally right. But now you've gone too far. You have insulted our flag, our country, our soldiers, our police officers, and our veterans. You are living the American dream, yet you disparage our great country. I'm done with NFL football and encourage all like-minded Americans to boycott the NFL as well. National boycott of the NFL for Sunday, November 12th, Veterans Day weekend. Boycott all football telecasts, all fans, all ticket holders. Stay away from from attending any games. Let them play to empty stadiums. Pass this post on along to all your friends and family. Honor our military, some of whom come home with American flag draped over their coffin. I was touched when I read this. Felt uh, moved enough that I had to forward it on, put it on my website, my Facebook, Twitter, um, everywhere I could put it and uh, forward it to all, all my employees and everybody I could think of. Um, and I don't really care for these football players if they, even if they start, even if they get in, in, uh, in step and, uh, they're all standing for the national anthem. I think we need to show them on November 12th and follow it up with Monday night football on November 13th that we stand for America before football. 
and take one day. Take one day, those of you guys going, oh, oh, my football game, my football game. Grow some spine out there and do something. Even if you got to, I paid, I paid good money for these tickets. Okay. Don't show up. Write it off your taxes. Call it, call it a, a charitable contribution. Or I don't know, maybe give it to some veterans. Give it to some veterans that are uh, are missing limbs or that are hurting or that are unemployed. Give it to them and see if they go. See if they have enough respect for these guys to go. Because you know what? You know what football players do for America? Entertain. That's it. They have they do nothing for their fellow man. They do nothing to make anybody else's life better but their own. And uh, I'll take out the the ones that actually have charitable uh, organizations that they've started. Um, and I, I won't re- uh, I won't bring up names because I can't remember them right now. But uh, there are there's always some good guys in some of that. But you know what these 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 whiny crybabies. I'm American and I and I can't, I can't play football because I I can't stand for uh, I can't stand for the anthem because uh, black people are going to jail. Or for whatever reason, I don't even know what they're whining about. But they're whining and they're whining about stuff that you and I all have to deal with. I had I had parents didn't make any money. I didn't get any uh, grants to go to college. None of that stuff. But this is a great country. I made it anyway. Hopefully you did too. I'm a lot of time for this episode of the main event. Thanks for waiting for me and dealing with Scott while I was on vacation. My name's Ed Hoffman and I'll be back again with you next week. Content in this program is not intended to be legal advice. The views expressed are those of Ed Hoffman and his invited guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 01147747 and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions. MB Number 096199.